In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with my brother from another mother, Dale Culver. How you doing, man? I'm doing real good, Jim. Hey, man, I'm excited about today's guest. Uh, This guy, I've been looking for an expert in fathering, and this guy has raised eight children. He's homeschooled them as well. They have a ministry where they travel around in a motorhome, which I've got to figure this one out. And uh, this guy, if anybody's earned the right to speak about fathering, it's a guy who has raised eight kids. I think he's got four kids still in the home. But uh, I'm excited to have this. Hey, before we bring Todd on, I want to make sure our guys go over to our website. Check out uh, my book that's available just for maybe a week or two longer on the website. It's called Guts and Manhood, Four Irrefutable Attributes of Courage. This is a 20-year study in the Bible of the word courage, and I discovered four unbelievable things about courage that were life-changing in my life. They caused me to move a 1,000 miles with my family and start a ministry and then, again, launch Men in the Arena in 2012. So, guys, this is a great book. It's going to be super limited. And then we're going to send it to the publisher. So make sure you guys head on over to menandarena.org. So, Dale, man word today. I'm going to guess it. Fathering. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I well, you're gonna, so vanilla. I you're so vanilla. Did. I just figured you're like well, your Starbucks, like grande latte or something. I almost pulled out family man. But then I started digging a little deeper and I was like, OK, this is this man word is going to be uh, a word that. Every family in America, for the most part, is going to know pretty well because of the pandemic. And that word is homeschool. That, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, From the new oh, surge of homeschooling. Yeah. For sure. Into something that most people would say, heck no, never. I would eat my children. There's no way they're staying. Well, maybe that's my wife and I saying that. But uh, <laughs> you must be hungry. <laughs> yeah. Forcing our ourselves to have to do that, man. We're we're navigating new waters, and I think that when you overcome these stressful times uh, and get through them, it'll make you stronger. It'll help you to see things differently. And I think a lot of families, in the end of all this, are going to continue doing homeschooling. They're going to see, hey, that wasn't so bad. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, we're going to do this. Well, there are certain values that we want to instill in our kids, and it's just not happening where we send them. And so uh, I think, yeah, I think that's going to happen. For me personally, well, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're homeschooling right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> Everywhere you go, Noah's Noah's with you. So yeah. anyway, you know, I think there's some real truth to that, buddy. As a youth pastor for 25 years, you know, I had homeschool, private school, and public school. Those are the three genres of education that I saw. Each brought their own strengths and weaknesses. And the homeschool, really interesting to watch homeschooling evolve over the last 25 years. And they've really, really come a long way. And I think we're going to have an insurgence of this when parents are going to say, hey, I just want to step up and I'm going to educate my kid instead of putting my seven-year-old in front of a computer screen. 
I, I, I think it, I not only think, do I think there will be an insurgence? I think there has to be an insurgence of, of Christian men and women stepping up and, and doing this, to their kids. So, Hey, appreciate that man word today. And uh, do you have a review or a hero story for us? Yeah, this is pretty cool. This, uh, a gentleman named by the name of Andreas or Andreas uh, sent us oh. a, a review in and he said that he loved the podcast and it actually inspired him so much that he started his own ministry. And, and I think that's so awesome that, you know, inspiring men to like say, hey, I'm going to go after men or I'm going to start a ministry. I'm going to do that thing that God's called me to do. And so I just want to share that. Thanks for that message there, bud. And uh, if you could just uh, shoot me an email, info at org, and I'd love to send you out some swag. Yeah, he's out in Trenton, New Jersey. So Andres, thank you, sir. Jersey. Hey, I'm, exci- I'm excited about our guest today. And I'm going to tell you why. It's just going to sound so stupid, but you know, whenever we have our guests on the show, we ask them to pronounce their name because, you know, like Jay Politner, I think I still pronounce that wrong. Politner. I mean, the guys like that, I just can't get their name. So this guy, he sends his name in Todd Wilson and he, he says T odd. That's how you pronounce T odd Todd. I thought, okay, I'm going to like this guy. So Todd is a uh, 55 years old, lives in Milford, Indiana with his uh, wife of 30 years, Debbie. Uh, Todd's a dad, granddad, writer, conference speaker, former pastor, and the founder of Family Man Ministries. His passion and mission are to remind dads and moms of what's most important through a weekly email for dads, seminars, books, and products that encourage parents. So they have, uh, Todd and Debbie have presently homeschooled three of their eight children, five have graduated, four are married, and they live in northern Indiana. And this is pretty cool, Dale. They travel America with the family man family family man mobile rv <laughs> you can read more about this at familymanweb.com so todd t odd it's great to have you on our show man hey it is a great pleasure but i do want to set the ground rules right now you guys have used the word expert in fathering together with my name and if you say it again <laughs> i'm walking away from this thing right now <laughs> feel about as expertish as you know I feel like a newbie sometimes. I think I should be getting this, and I'm like, I don't even have a clue what's going on sometimes. It's easy to tell other guys to be good dads. It's really hard to be a good dad sometimes. Well, you know, it's funny. I preached at my church this weekend, and my sermon uh, passage that was given to me was Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And I put a picture on the TV of my perfect family, and I just said, if anybody here has a perfect family, we're going to have a moment of silence while you leave the church. And uh, next week, we're going to preach on lying. Because there are no perfect families. There are no perfect dads. All there are are dads out there who are trying to get it done and figure it out. And, you know, I don't know, Todd. It's God gives us our kids, but I don't know. What was he thinking? They're all different. You know, I I, I think it was not so much that we would raise them as as they would train us, you know, and remind us just oh. of. Uh, you know, I thought it was a pretty good guy. I mean, I thought I was a spiritual man before I got married, you know, and I, I would get up at four o'clock and have my three hour quiet time. And, and, you know, then I got married and then I had kids. And I look in the mirror and I'm like, who are you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? Um, because it's just, it, it reveals so much in me, um, and reminds me of, uh, how far I am. Well, you know, it's interesting. So we call that phase of life the stress bubble. What are your thoughts on the stress bubble? You know, I mean, if you're engaged, you're stressed. Uh, You know, I mean, it's just constant. I don't know how a dad, you know, when the dad say, hey, man, this is it's really not that hard. Or marriage is not that hard. Or being a dad is not that hard. I'm thinking, are you even engaged to the, you know, in your Because it is stressful. I think that's that's a sign that you're going the right direction. You know, our, our ministry is to remind dads what's most important. And, uh, you know, I think that we all feel that struggle. We all feel that pull, like we want to be something. And yet, you know, we know we don't want to miss this, but yet we want to be something. And we want to be successful. We want to have these things. And I, I think it, I, I think it gets less stressful when they finally put you in a nursing home and they're feeding you red jello, <laughs> and, uh, you're going to go back and wish you could do this all over again. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I love your vision statement, Todd, to remind dads of what's most important. So what is it that you're reminding dads of? What is the most important thing? 
You know, uh, when we started this about 18 years ago, my wife and I, we were like, she, she could not like put her hands, you know, mind around that phrase because she, she wanted to know. She wanted six things, you know, that we would write. And I'm like, you know, I just want to remind them about the things that really, really matter. Um, because and I think in every dad, it, it doesn't even hardly have to be explained because, you know, you know, you may not know it as a young man, um, but as an old man, there's not an old guy out there doesn't know what matters. I mean, they're the old guys who come up to me in McDonald's and tell me, you know, put they put their hand on my shoulder and tell me, enjoy them while they're young, you know, when I'm with my kids. And, you know, I, I wonder if those guys are guys who built huge businesses, spent all their time traveling on the road, built a ministry, and they regret some of that. They regret that they didn't spend it on what really matters. You know, I'm kind of a, a biography uh a liker. Um, I, I, I used to watch like PBS where they would show, you know, because they like to highlight people who are famous. And so yeah. it doesn't matter yeah. if it's Steve Jobs or Billy Graham or, you know, Al Yankovic, the Polka King. It just doesn't matter. Um, and I'm telling you, almost every single successful person, almost without exception, they come to the end and they say, you know, I really wasn't a very good dad. And I'm thinking, I don't want to repeat that. I just want to get it right. I want to, I don't care if I'm successful in my ministry. I don't care if I, you know, have a big house or nice cars. I want to get to the end and say, you know, I was an okay dad. My my wife felt loved. And, and I think you get, if you get that, you get to the end and God says, good job. That's so powerful, man. We had a guy on our show from Tennessee a couple weeks ago, Kent Evans, great guy. And he's, he wrote a book called Wise Guys, and he said, when I get to the end of my life, I just want my kids to say he wasn't the perfect dad, but he did the best with what he had. And I think yeah. that's so true. So you started this ministry 18 years ago? Yeah, Holy cow. So so why why this ministry? Why another dad ministry? Talk to us about the progress and the story behind it. Well, you know, I was a pastor for about 10 years and I loved the job. I loved what I did. I was an associate pastor. Um, but I just started feeling that that pull as I was because I would meet with a lot of dads and, you know, dads was my, kind of my thing. I was having kids. You know, I had a great dad and I saw these guys who were exchanging good stuff for stuff that didn't matter. And, you know, I, I'm not one of those guys who has 13 steps to achieving, you know, dad nirvana. Uh, I just I just think my, my job, my my ministry is really just continually pointing dads like, oh, there's the good stuff. There's the good stuff. And because we get sidetracked, we start going this way and go, oh, that's not it over here. And we try to do that in a kind of a, in a, a, a either daily fashion or a, you know, weekly short bites. Um uh, and, and I didn't know it was going to look like this. I didn't know that I was going to travel the country speaking to big groups. I didn't think, uh, of course, there are no groups now. And uh, <laughs> it was pretty much what I thought it'd be like. Um, you know, I thought I'd be this great American author. And, and uh, you know, nobody came knocking on my door for my books. And so I'm like, you know, I, I got to start something. So we just started making ourselves available. Um, and... You know, this is what this is what I was made for. Um, just again, just a, just a simple dad with a simple message um, that has eternal value, um, because I truly believe I truly believe that Jim and Dale and you know myself and everybody listening. The most important thing you ever the most important thing you're ever going to do if you're a father is being a dad. You know, because I, I, I would say I'm, I say it about everybody. You know, I am what I am because of my dad. Some of us didn't yeah. even have a dad. Or we had a big hole or we had a crummy dad. You know, it still is the greatest effect. A really scary thing is to think that one one day my kid will be on your radio program and the greatest influence in his life will be me. And and so I just again, I want to get this right. I want to encourage other dads to get it right because there's just so much pulling the other direction. And as I write and speak and deal with guys on the podcast and just interact with my buddies and my wife and our friends. The number one problem that people have is dealing with their dad. And these are middle-aged people. Our dads, we as fathers have so much power. 
power. I got to tell you a story. Last night, my son Darby shot his first ever buck with a bow. He was in the middle of nowhere, and he calls me. Okay, Dad, I shot it. What do I do? I'm walking him through the kill, finding the animal, how to gut it, how to get home. I'm on the phone for two hours at 11 o'clock at night helping him skin it because he couldn't figure it out. And I thought, how cool that he could call his dad. And how many kids are out there who are in a situation of no one to call? And it's I think this thing about fathering. Well, Brian Doyle, our friend Brian Doyle with Iron Sharpens Iron, says fathering is the most requested conference topic that they deal with. It is hugely, hugely important. So I appreciate this, man, and what you're doing. Hey, you mentioned some books. Uh, what books have you authored, and wh- and why did you author those books? You know, uh, just a lot of different books. We started off with a homeschooling book for dads, Help I Married to a Homeschooling Mom. And and uh, then we were, we were writing books for dads, like uh, Dad Power, um, which, again, just talks about that that power that that the dads have in their lives, uh, their kids' lives. We've done some devotionals. We've done lots of books for moms in the homeschooling circle circles. We've done products to encourage dads. We've got, and you can see over my shoulder, uh, we've got board games. We do a Christmas board game. It's just an interaction game that I made for dads. I made it for myself, you know, that we could do as a, that, that forces us into those interactions where you have to ask, you know, questions and, and listen and, uh, and sometimes I think we dads, again, we don't always listen. And, and probably the greatest thing I've ever done is we do, and we're, we're it's just going to the pr- press. We do yearly, we do a um, You to Dad daily calendar, um, which is just a page a day calendar that lots and lots of dads get. Um, and it's just a, you know, it's like me sitting on your desk, encouraging again in the good stuff. It's fun, a lot of funny stuff in it. Things that only a dad would care about, um, you know. Some of the things you've probably already been talking about, um, and uh, and that's the kind of stuff we do. Give me give me something funny that only a dad would care oh, about. I don't funny man. I cannot do funny on command. People ask me that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I I know. I felt like I just threw you under the uh, the uh, family man motorhome here. Sorry about that. So so tell me about the family man motorhome. What 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 is the what was the impetus behind that, and, and what do you use it for? How does that function in your family now it has been the greatest gift god has ever really given us as a family um you know i never went camping my wife had never camped we didn't ever want to go you know we just thought you know there were those who could and those who camped uh you know and uh, (laughs) but someone said hey if you're gonna travel around maybe you should get an old rv and and i'm like hey that makes sense i didn't know any better you know and so we got uh, an old RV and we fixed it up and we hit the road and we had issues and, um, you know, we had, we had all kinds of things. We had RVs that caught fire. One of the turkey went through a windshield. Uh, uh, we, we've been towed, we've been stuck, we've been, you know, and, and yet, uh, it's really the things that my kids are going to talk about for the rest of their lives. Um, and, uh, so we travel a lot. Um, uh, we're we're kind of dead in the water right now. We were just in New Jersey last weekend, um, uh, and we were in Iowa a weekend or two before that. But 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 we we really this has really shut us down. Um, yeah. But it's been a great thing. In fact, uh, we we spend most of our nights in Walmart parking lots, which I love. Uh, I have no hobbies except I keep track of the WalMarts we've stayed in, and uh, <laughs> I think we stayed in Wasiana, Ohio, on the way home, and that was number two hundred and eighty-seven unique. Walmart stays never duplicated. We probably stayed in five, six hundred uh, nightstands because some of those, uh, you know, we've stayed in multiple times. I think up to seven nights over years because you, you know you kind of drive the same roads when you're going out to Colorado. You go out seventy. When you go yeah. out to Iowa, you're out eighty. So you, you got to. And so, man, when I'm like driving out there, and my wife's like, "I'm about ready to conk out," and I'm like, "Okay." And I'm in my head, I'm thinking, if we go 40 more miles, we can get another Walmart we've never stayed at before. (laughs) So when you are traveling with your family, so you have four kids that are married now, right? Uh Who's traveling with you now? And and when you travel... It's either, we we have our three youngest, sometimes our four youngest. Um, My my fourth is uh, 19, but he's... He's kind of, you know, he's got a job now and um, he's cutting grass for a living. Um, and uh, 
So he's kind of, he still would like to, but he, he can't right now. Um, so it's just the, the five of us, which seems like a piece of cake. You know, we, we would take people out in an RV. <laughs> we, we would be out sometimes up to a hundred nights in a row. Uh, and I mean, you talk about twitchy. Uh, <laughs> it makes you, uh, and, and for those listening, thinking, oh man, my wife could never do that. My wife, no kidding. She begins to glow at the end of that time because our life is simple. You have one little bathroom, you know, one little sink. You don't have a house full of stuff that can break. You just, you don't have to worry about your grass. And it's really, uh, it's, it's a great way to live. You only have a certain amount of water, a certain amount of food, a certain amount of clothing. Um, and it just simplifies everything, but it's, it's allowed my children and us to see everything. My kids have been everywhere. They've been to all the battlefields. And Hey Todd, so you got me curious, man. Do you live in this RV or do you have a house somewhere in Indiana? No, I, I don't think I could live. We live in a house in Indiana and we, again, we spend long, large chunks. I don't think I'd want to do the full-time thing. I mean, I want my kids to, to come back to our house for Christmas, not to, a Walmart parking lot, you know? <laughs> so, so when you take your family and travel, I'm assuming you're traveling to a church that's invited you. What happens when you get there? Who's engaged in the, the conference presentation? You know, it's just me. I mean, my family doesn't sing Jesus loves me in Portuguese or anything like that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we have, hey, I'm- and, and really, um, we, we, we travel to churches. We do camps. We just got back from a camp in New Jersey. We do uh, state homeschool conventions, which are huge. So, you know, they might have five, 10,000 people there. Um, and then we take all our stuff, you know, we have it in trailer and my kids are like the circus. Um, you know, we pull up and we set it all up and uh, they man the booth and then we load it back all up and head off to the next place. And then, so week. if we were to hire you to drive from Indiana to Oregon, where we live, how do you deal with transportation costs? Because that is way higher than a plane ticket, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. um, and we kind of, you know, usually that's what we say. We say, hey, if you'd like to have us come, uh, you know, if you can get us there. And it would usually, honestly, that your little corner of the world um, is a long way away from everything. Um, so we do fly. I, I usually fly out there. And I usually just bring one kid, so. Uh, okay. Unless we, you know, if we had a string of things, we might do that, but but it's still a long way away. Yeah, Oregon is uh, in the is in no man's land, man. So you talked about forcing men or doing things that force men into interactions, and then you had also said earlier that when a man says, "Hey, this parenting thing isn't hard," you wonder if they're engaged. And I agree a hundred percent. I think when I hear people say marriage isn't hard, being a parent isn't hard, I'm like, "Well, do you have kids? Are you married?" How long have you been divorced? I mean, you're, you're, you know, so how do you, how do you coach men into being engaged and doing this hard thing called parenting? Uh, again, I don't pretend that it's ever easy for one. Um, yeah. You know, I have lots of moms who will come up to me and say, you know, would you just get our husbands to, you know, lead family devotions and do those kind of things, read the Bibles with the kids, have a family mission statement. And I'm like, I can't do this myself. You know, those are those are just too hard. Here's what I would like. Deuteronomy 6 says, you know, um, teach them when you rise up, when you lay down, when you walk along the way. My thing, I don't care what they teach them. You know, what I'd like to see is to see them there when they rise up, when they lay down, when they walk along the way. Because if you are not there, you cannot engage. You know, you can't teach them anything. You know, it's not a uh, it's not just a time we set aside and we say, okay, now it's dad's time to speak. You know, that doesn't work. I know lots of dads who who were, you know, super, you know, uh, uh, they could plan things out and they'd have this little thing and their kids walked away because they never engaged with their dads. But I'll tell you, even as a young dad or as a, a middle aged dad, man, when I'm outside with one of my kids or we go somewhere together, we just talk about whatever stuff. We talk about the, you know, this Marvel movie. And oftentimes it transfers into something eternal, into something a little heavier, you know. And I just think I'd miss all that stuff if if I if I wasn't there. And again, for us dads, you know, you're you're around all this chaos, you know, and, and you give them your best and they go, is that the best you got? You hate me. You know, and 
And yep. your wife yep. is like, you know, your wife looks at you and thinks, you don't even care about our family, do you? You only care about yourself. You don't even, you know, you don't care about me and, and all this. And I think for some dads, they're like, hey, I'll go to work where they like me and I'll just pour my life into that. And I remember a dad coming up to me one time and saying, hey, Ty, what do you do about all that? He kind of hung around me for, for this whole weekend, just talking light stuff. And all of a sudden he kind of changes that corner and he said, so what do you do, Todd? about all the chaos and all the bickering. And I know he wanted me to give him, you know, four points so he could write them down and implement them into his life. Um, but I said, you know what I do? I just enjoy it because one day the chaos is going to be over, you know? And, 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 and I believe that. In fact, you know, uh, we did a little book. Um, I can't reach it from here, but it's called Family is Hard. Deal with it. Um, yeah. Because it is. But, but there's hope, you know, when when Paul says, you know, let us not grow weary in doing good. I think he's the assumption is because it's hard doing good. Yeah. And then it goes on and says, for you, we will reap a reward if we don't grow weary and stop. My fear is lots of us dads and husbands are going to stop. We're going to get to the point where we just say marriage is too hard. I'm done. And and if we do that, we don't reap the reward. You know, I will do it with our kids. I remember with one of my older kids, my, my oldest kid, actually, strong personality, man. He's going to take over the world one day. Um, but uh, a, a strong sense of justice. And we were just battling it out, you know, and I and I'm finally fine. I'm sick of it. You're tired. I'm not. I don't care. Do whatever you want. I'm not. And I'll never forget. You know, he's taller than I am. And he's a big curly headed kid. And he his voice cracks and his eyes tear up and he goes, Dad, don't give up. You know, and I think your wife may say to you, husbands, you know, I, I want to be divorced. But what she's really saying is, don't give up. Keep fighting for me. Keep fighting for us. Your sons and daughters may say, I hate you. And don't be, my dad used to say, if your kids don't tell you they hate you, it means they're not talking to you. Uh, you know, and because some dads are like so shocked by that. You know, we yeah. Boom, we're a Superman. It bounces off. We let it go because we know they're not speaking from their heart. They're speaking from, you know, emotion. But what they're really saying is don't quit on me. Keep going. And uh, that's why I think they need guys. That's why we need each other. I need someone reminding me to not give up, you know, and it, and that's it, comforting to me to know that you guys are in the same same, you know, playing field that I'm at, that your wives hate you sometimes, too, you know. And, and, and that's somehow comforting. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's comfort in hearing those words, or you're the meanest dad in the world. I think there's something to that. And I just love what you're saying there, man. Don't give up. I had a friend of mine once say, you don't have to be the perfect parent. You just have to be good enough. And I think the problem when a lot of these Christian guys go to conferences they hear a lot of goals. You need to have a family depot. You got to have this. Do what I and you know they're hearing these from guys who are in full time ministry like you and myself. And a lot of these guys are going, man, I can't do it. But how about just being engaged at you know the ministry of presence, right? Being there and right. being engaged. And and you know and you said this earlier, and I want to go back to this. You you, you know we want to be engaged so that when we look back on our lives, we don't regret that we didn't father our children. Or make that attempt. So what are some things that you like to tell guys? Or what are some things that you've learned, Todd, about engaging in your kids to a degree where you do not have regrets? Uh, you know, and I, and I think they're always, we all, I, I have like little regrets all the time, you know, but we're talking big regrets at the end. I know my brother-in-law, he taught me one that is, it was easy for him, you know, and like you said, some guys, uh, when you hear those speakers, they they teach from their strengths. You know, I'm yes. not one of those dads who is like, I'm not a playing dad. I'm not one of those guys who's like, yeah, let's go out and play catch and let's do. I don't I don't like that. But my brother in law taught me, and I remember sitting there. We were at a family like we're going to be there this weekend because it was Labor Day when we record this, and uh, and he was he was out. He was just sitting in a lawn chair, and his kids came up and said, Hey, Dad, can we do this? And he said, This. Sure. And then a little bit later, they came and say, hey, Dad, can we get a freeze the icy pop things? And he goes, sure. And after he did that three or four times, I'm like, that's the secret, <laughs> you know, that we just say, sure. 
you know, because I think they're going to lead in this, you know, so when your daughter, you know, if you have little kids and your daughter says, hey, dad, can we watch this princess movie? You say, you just make yourself. I mean, it's an act of the will. You go, sure, four letters, that's all, sure. You know, when your wife says, hey, honey, could we go shopping? You know, you don't have to think it through. You just go, oh, sure. You know, and I'll tell you, that is a, a regret-free life. Um, it, it, and because it, it just works. And maybe you won't get everything done that you would like to get done. Um, but your kids will get enough. And then here's that. I think this is a um, fallacy sometimes we believe. We think that our kids are going to demand all our time. In fact, I used to say, I used to speak and I'd say, how much time do our kids need? And I, they'd say all of it. I'm like, yes, that's not true. Really, they just need a little bit. But sometimes we don't even give them a little bit because we think it's going to take a lot. And then they get none. Um, I've got these little coins. I don't know if I, oh, yeah, I'm going to reach over here. Hold on. I, I've got, I made these little wooden coins. Uh, you can see them. I think it says you to dad on one side. On the other, this is the gold. Um, they say uh, one hour of dad time. Um, and, and I got, these things are printed on like a machine that's been making them for 150 years. That's all they make are these little things. And I, my thinking was, wouldn't this be cool if our kids, whenever they needed a little bit of time, they could give us this token and they could redeem an hour of dad time. Uh, and I, I, I gave them to my, my boys, my youngest boys. And I was in my office and one of my kids came, one came in and he set the coin right in front of me. He didn't say a word. And I saw the one hour dad time and I thought, this is a stupid idea. You know? and, <laughs> uh, Dang it. And he called me into it. He said, uh, I said, okay. I said, what would you like to do? And he said, I'd like to play an hour of carpet ball. And we have a carpet ball table where you throw the pool balls one in. And, uh, and I said, hey, I can't right now, but how about right after dinner? We'll do that. I said, you hold on to it. We'll do it. So we spent an hour. We, we kept track of the score. I won. I think it was like 59 to 48, something like that. And I, and I wrote the date on it. And right now, this is not my office, but on my office, it's sitting right there on that corner of my desk. And it will sit there because I know me until I die. And my kids and my wife are going to go through my office and they're going to get to that little coin and they're going to go, oh, that's cool. And they're going to throw it away. They will never know that that is an eternal hour that cannot be taken away. And, you know, I might not have done that if I didn't have a little wooden nickel or if I didn't say sure. Uh, and I'll tell you, uh, our kids know the code. Um, I was at a camp one time speaking and there was this there was this, this dad who was lounging out by the side of the pool. And his daughter came and said, hey, dad, can, we, can you get in the pool with me? And the dad said, sure, honey, but not right now. And she turned around and she walked away. She walked past me. She was speaking to herself, not to him, not to me. She was just speaking to himself. I can see her little face in my head right now. And she goes, oh, you always say that. And I oh. thought, she knows the code. Because we use that all the time. I do. Sure, but not right now. So, you know, I would say, Dad, just use the sure part. Don't give it, a, you know, a qualification. Just this weekend, whenever this weekend is, when they ask you, and they will, try it out. Just say, sure. And, 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 and I think you're going to be surprised. Because, you again, my son, after one hour, he was full. He didn't need any more. My daughter, Maggie, she was like, hey, dad, could you help me hang this little cat picture she had? And I'm like, Maggie, I don't have time right now. You know, maybe later. Fifteen minutes later, I see her, you know, holding this giant sledgehammer and a nail, you know, like a railroad spike. And I see her banging up on the wall. Boom, boom, boom. You know, and I'm like, ah, oh, what is she doing? So I, I'm like, Maggie, you don't use that. And I said, I got a hammer. I got a little tiny nail. Bup, 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 tapped it in. Took maybe three minutes total. And she felt loved. That's all she needed, yep. you know, but I thought it would take so long. And so we end up giving them nothing. And I'll tell you, you do that time after time after time. And they get to an end of their, their lives and your life. And then they have that story that, yeah, my dad was always too busy. And I don't want that. I don't want it for them and I, you, and I don't want it for me. That's so powerful, man. Hey, we're going to take a break here from our sponsor coming right back at you. 
Men in the Arena is a non-profit, crowd-funded organization that exists to inspire men to become their best version. We're able to freely offer this podcast, weekly equipping blasts, discussion forums, plus our small group resources to the three M's, active military, missionaries, and men in underdeveloped nations. This could only happen because of a large group of generous donors like you. You can find out more about how to support our ministry at meninthearena.org. Well, you've said uh, several times, Todd, that that as dads we should not exchange good stuff for stuff that doesn't matter and then i also hear you saying we need to just say sure we should not say sure but what are the things that guys default to and they go back on their life and look back at their strained relationship with some wounded children who are now adults, and they say, man, I poured my life into that, and it just wasn't worth it. What again, are those things? Again, it is in the, you know those biographies that I told you about earlier. That's what all those men were saying. You know, Whether it was building an automobile or building a business or building a career, or amassing a lot of money, or building a ministry. You know, I think at the end, we kind of delude ourselves into thinking, well, if we don't, nobody will. That's, 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 that's baloney. You know, Agreed. God doesn't need me to reach Agreed. all the dads. You know, I like to do that. And if I can do it and be a good dad at the same time, hey, it's a win-win. You know, I, I have, I know someone who just died about a year ago. I mean, he made more money than most people ever will, you know, I mean, he's, it's the ultra rich. And, uh, uh, I mean, he had homes in, in Florida and the mountains, he had jets, he had helicopters. Those are all plural. You know, he drove every car you can ever imagine and he died. And I was talking to his wife about, Oh, I don't know how many months after less than six. And I said, so how has it been? How you doing? And she goes, you know, I feel a little sad because it's like my life's no different because he was always busy. He was always gone. She said, I went to a wedding, to a, a friend's wedding and maybe a child of the, the friend. And, and she goes, I was there by myself. And I thought, I always went by myself. She goes, I feel sad that we don't miss him more. And honestly, wow. all her kids say the same thing. And I don't know. I, I hope the dad got it at the end. But that's that's the saddest of all to me to think that as a dad, you know, I and, and you know, you run into dads all the time who have destroyed their families. I feel sorry for the kids. I feel sorry for the wife, but they're, they're going to recover as painful as it is. And it takes a lifetime about those dads to come to that realization that it was their fault. That, that's a heavy thing to carry for a long, long time. So, yeah, so what do you say to the dad? What do you say to the dad who's like, man, I'm a loser. I've blown it. I've got a guy I'm talking to right now who's who uh, his infidelity ruined his marriage, and he's got multiple kids, all daughters, and he's just really struggling. What do you tell that guy who's like, I'm a loser? Join the club. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because there's a whole bunch of us. We think it's only – we think it's just me. You know, I mean, I talked to a guy this past week who cheated on his wife. She was dying. He li- she lived in the upstairs. He lived in the downstairs. They were divorced. He stayed in the downstairs. She lived upstairs. All his kids, his older kids are hating him, and she's gone now. And he said to me, I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. You know, and really, I would say to the dad who says he's a loser dad, you know, you don't have the luxury of pulling out. I wish you did. I wish you could relocate and, you know, shave your head and change your name, uh, you know, and but you don't have that luxury. I'll tell you, your kids and I talk to them and I, I don't know your background, but I know adult men, you know, whose kids, whose parents got divorced when they were little. They still want their parents to get together. They still want their parents to be right. So I think uh, and I, I've got several guys that I hang with, you know, whose kids are not talking to them. And I always encourage them, don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your kids. I mean, God can redeem what the locust has eaten. I believe that. Um, but I, I think it takes a it takes a brokenness 
it takes a a heart that doesn't just say it. Because I see lots of guys who say, oh, yeah, I'm really, really sorry. And they mean it. And they try for about three months to put it back together. But after that, they say, well, my family hadn't even responded. I gave my wife a card and she ripped it up. And I'm like, well, you've treated it like dirt for 20 years. What do you expect? And, you know, for guys who, who fail and, you know, infidelity, I say, take your punches. You know, I mean, for my wife, before we got married, you know, I, I took a, before we were engaged, I, I had a secret that I said I would never tell her, you know, thinking that I could take that in until I died. Well, I didn't. And she found out she couldn't trust me anymore. And I'll tell you, even now, it happens rare that ugliness raises back up and she'll, I'll, I'll feel that she's not trusting of me. Mm. And you know, and I never go, well, hey, that was 35 years ago. I always say, I don't blame you. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for letting you down back then. You know, and I'll tell you, she'll say things like, oh, you don't need to apologize. And I'm like, oh, I know, but I, I still am sorry. And I think she just wants us, our kids, our families, they just want us to mean business. I think they get tired of dads who say, oh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. And then it just goes back to whatever. So, I mean, if you've got some patterns, you, you got to mean business and you got to go and, and whether your family returns or not. You got to mean business and you got to take care of it. And honestly, I think when it's genuine, when it's real and some time has gone by, I think kids want to be restored, be restored to their kid, to their dads. I think wives, you know, I, if they're not remarried, I think they want restoration somehow. Oh, I agree 100 percent. I think no, no kid. When I say kid, I'm talking adult children, no matter how old they are wants to have a separation between a parent. They want that to be worked out. I see a lot of dads out there, Todd, personal friends, people who I care about deeply who've given up and they've just assumed the relationship's going to be the way it's going to be. And they don't reconcile with their children. In my opinion, now maybe, maybe I'm wrong here. I think it is a parent's job to reconcile with the kids. If at all possible, he has got to be the guy who walks across the room. I agree. I, I, I came back. Well, I was speaking to a, at church one time and I came back to the end. I mean, I, I walked out of the, the building and at the very last row, there was an older dad sitting in this tears were streaming down his face. And he said, you know, Todd, I've blown it. He goes, my daughter doesn't want anything to do with me. I've just ruined it. And I'm like, suck it up, man. You know, for sure. Yeah. You, I, I'm sorry that happened, but you can, you start today and you call up that daughter like this dad that I mentioned, you know, his wife died and he lived upstairs. He said, he still, t he goes, I know my son blocks my messages. So, but I know that if I do a voicemail, you can't block one. And so I say, hey, I just wanted you to know I was thinking about you and hope you have a great day. And that's it. You know, yeah. and I tell you, I, and, and that kid may say he hates it. He may, beep, you know, turn it off. It, it penetrates. Every yep. kid set contact with the dad. I agree so much. And you want to, I, you know, as I shared earlier, I spoke at uh, my church last week on uh, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And it says, you know, honor your father and mother or obey your father and mother. This is pleasing the Lord. Then it says, honor them that it, you may, you know, may go well with you and have a long life. And it quotes uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And it hit me that when my kids are in the home, there are certain rules that we had. And it was because I said so. Obey because you're in our home and I said so. But when they got out of the house, now they choose what that relationship will look like. And they, the goal and the hope is that they choose to honor their parents. So now you are in a unique situation, Todd, because you have kids in the home and out of the home. What have you seen as your kids have transitioned into adulthood how has your parenting co slash coaching changed as your kids have transitioned into adulthood? You know, that that's a big deal thing. Um, you know, I was under the wrong impression that it was my job to get them perfect before they left my house. And by perfect, I didn't mean perfect. I just meant like, you know, so they would get up and you know, not miss their day, you know, their job. They would be able to interact with their wife that they would and all these things, you know, the things I might have struggled with so they wouldn't have to. I think it's wrong thinking. 
I think God has painful lessons afterwards, you know, that they may have to get fired from a job to learn what God would have them learn. And I guess I'm okay with that, you know, or they may have to struggle as a married couple to figure out what they need to do. I mean, my, my oldest son, again, I can remember saying to him, you know, uh, when we would have, uh, you know, those conflict times, I said, well, sometimes you're going to have to, because he didn't like apologize unless he was absolutely <laughs> sure it was his fault. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, uh, sometimes you're going to have to apologize to your wife, even when you're not wrong. You know, and he's like, I don't know if I can do that, dad. And I'm like, well, you're going to have to learn that one. And and I mean, within the last year, we were standing out because we live side by side. He lived. I can see his house from out this window right here. And uh and he's he's got a wife and two kids and and we were standing out in the yard. He goes, you know, Dad, sometimes you have to apologize even when you're not wrong. And it was like <laughs> lesson learned. You got it, um, you know. And so I think as our kids get older, uh, that kind of takes the pressure off us because our kids are going to choose things that we would not choose. Um, and we can be those parents who kind of try try to tidy up everything, you know, like oh. Don't forget to call them. You know, you got to call them. Don't forget. I just think we maybe short circuit what God might do in their lives. Um, And I'll tell you, here's the, I think the greatest, and I don't know if anybody, as they listen to this, they won't necessarily be able to see the screen. Um, But I think this is the most important thing you can do as a dad for young kids and for big kids. And you, Jim and Dale can look at me, but here it is. It's called smile. (laughs) Because I think we quit smiling at some of our kids. What they see in our face mm-hmm. is disappointment. You know, like, ah, you did that. Why would you do that? Why would you choose that again? And when you don't smile, when you smile at someone, you tell them, or it shows them that I like you, that you're okay. And I mean, I love it when my dad, you know, even now, I'm 55 years old, you know, and, and I'm like, well, dad, I'm going to, we're going to head home now. It's a little icy. And, and he'll just smile and go, oh. You're going to do good. You know, you're, you're smart. And I just feel so good. Like, my dad doesn't think I'm a loser, you know. And But some of our kids are hard to smile at, you know, because they always choose the wrong thing. And they always preach oh, it. And I think they're the ones that we have that are in danger of being pushed away. I'll tell you, you want to read the, 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 the saddest dad story in the Bible. It's the story of. David and Absalom. I mean, oh I mean, yeah. And you know, yeah. he gets to the end and and he says, Oh, Absalom, I you know, because his son's hanging from the by his hair, and he he basically goes into this long monologue of how I wish I could trade places, you know, I would do anything. And I'm I got to the end of that and I wrote in my Bible, oh, save it. You know, yeah, you yeah. that early on when you had a son who desperately wanted to see you, and he said, my son can come back, but I never want to see his face again. And I'll tell you, um, I, I call this, and I've never heard anybody speak on it except me. Um, we've all heard of people talking about unconditional love. I call it unconditional like. And I think it is as powerful or maybe more powerful than unconditional love because it just, it is that smile. It is that, you know, just says you're okay. And I've got easy kids who, you know, would crawl across broken glass on their stomach and pick up the garbage with their teeth. And then I've got hard kids who say, you know, I'd say, hey, here's a bag of money. If you want it, you can have it. And they're like, oh, I've got to do everything. You know, And <laughs> one child we pull in and we smile out a lot. And other, the other child, we hold them at arm's distance and they never see a smile. And I'll tell you, a child who feels like his dad never smiles at him will avoid him. You know, when he has something to share, he won't talk to him. I mean, Jim, you were talking about your your son, you know, wanting to get dress a deer. I mean, that's because somewhere along the way, he he felt safe doing it, you know? I mean, you smile at him. So, um, and I think we just, as our kids get older, we should even smile more. No, that's really good, man. I'm personally, on a personal level, I'm really convicted with that. Um, so am I. Well, as your kids get older and they make choices against what you would probably do, it's easy to to let that scowl show up on your face. And I, I think as just me processing, my sons are all older now, you know, 22, 24, and 26, to smile at them says, I like you. Because as my sons have grown up older, they don't really care if I love them as much as if I like them. 
And if I'm never smiling and never high-fiving them and never, you know, screwing around and joking with them, I think that I've got one in particular, I think may doesn't think I like him. You know, and I I think that's true. And I think if some, I think if we were brave enough to ask some of those kids, I think our kids would say, Oh no, dad loves me. I know he does, but I don't think, you know, he really likes me because I wear weird clothes, do weird things or, or things that he doesn't like. No, that's really good. And I appreciate your story with David because he was the quintessential horrible dad who surrendered his parenting for his career. Yeah. Horrible, horrible parent. And so I really do appreciate it. So, so man, we're, we're in crazy times. Yeah. What should a dad do now? I mean, they're locked at home with their kids. Uh, you know, we're in a real interesting scenario. What, what are, what are you recommending out there? Well, again, you know, uh, I, I always engage, push dads to be engaged to, to, to be there. Uh, you know, I've heard, I've had lots of dads email me and say, man, this has been a great gift to my family. And so I would look at it as just that, because I, I have this feeling that when this is all over and I'm, you know, like on November the 8th or whatever day that is. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, you're talking my language. <laughs> OK, um, but when it's all over and we're all back to normal, I have this feeling where you go, oh, man, that was a really good year, wasn't it? You know, maybe not the financial part or the inconvenience part, but man, I mean, I haven't spent a whole summer doing nothing with my kids in 20 years. And we did it this year, you know? And so I would just say, Hey dad, you know, here's what I would do. I would begin by closing your eyes and thanking God for this gift of this family time. And that, and asking that if you haven't seen it yet, that you would see it through his eyes and through your family's eyes, not just through yours, because I, this whole time I've had this cloud hanging over me, you know, I'm like, cause what I do is I speak to groups of people and man, there aren't any groups of people and, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and there's no, there's no paycheck protection program that I can be a part of and, you know, yeah. nobody's lining up and, and, and I, I'm, I'm afraid that I will miss it because my eyes are so afraid on the wind and the seas that I will forget that he's in control of the whole thing. Yeah, that's powerful. You know, and I think once we overcame the first two months of shock and you get into a new mode of normalcy, man, my marriage has become rich. You know, Mm -hmm. our communications with our kids. I mean, and you can't get this time back. You called it earlier an eternal hour. We have an eternal year here to Absolutely. deal with our families. And, and I would encourage our men, don't blow it. Don't, you know, seize the moment, seize the opportunity. And so, hey, so, so, so t- uh, Todd, you're a homeschool guy. I am. So, so you've got, so I've, I've had homeschool parents, public school parents, private school parents. All of them bring so many different things to the table. These public school dads that might be listening to this conversation right now, what, cause I know that you've, you, you see, the flaw in public school parenting, there is a flaw. There's a flaw in all of them, but what sure. would you say to our public school dads? Cause I was a public school dad. Dale's a public school dad. What would you say to those guys about raising their kids in the public school? Here's what I would say. I would say every dad's job is to be a homeschool dad, whether you have your kids in homeschooling or not. I mean, that's just my dad. I, I didn't even know a kid who went to a Christian school. I mean, I went to the public school. My dad was a homeschooling dad. You know, he was he was involved. I mean, we had a world set of 1972 World Book Encyclopedia sitting by the kitchen. And I'm at every night. Let's see what the World Book has to say about that. Or he just cared <laughs> about teaching us, you know. And yeah. I, But I think dads who are homeschoolers who are not homeschooling dads, you know, they abdicate their role. They give it to their. And so I just again, I think we dads need to be involved. Uh, you know, we're going to have a world of hurt if we think. Uh, I was talking to a dad whose kids are in public school, and he was joking, but he said, oh, yeah, I don't have to worry about my kids. My, the school's going to take care of them, you know, and he was joking that way. But I think in his head, yeah. he's a godly man. He was he was saying a truth, man, especially where we live now, you know, 19, whatever, 72, you could, the school was backing you up, you know, 2020, they are not backing you up. They are. They are killing your kids. They're turning them against God. They're turning them against you. 
And uh, I think, you know, I mean, we're going to see this ramp up. We're going to reap a whirlwind, I think. Um, so I, and, and so I would say to the dads who maybe have found themselves forced into homeschooling, I would just encourage your wife and say, hey, you know, you're doing a great job. I wouldn't say, oh, why are they not doing what they're supposed to? I would just encourage that relationship and see what might happen in this thing. This is uh, so powerful. I'm so glad I got you on here because two things I'm really walking away with right now is one is smile at your children. Well, three things always say sure. And the third thing is this, and this was, I had never thought of this before. We've been saying this for years to men without saying it. If you're a dad, you are a homeschool dad. Do not defer your spiritual training to the Sunday school teacher or the pastor. Do not defer education to the teacher. You are the ultimate authority over your household. You are a homeschool dad. That is very, very powerful, Todd. Thank you so much for that. So I have one more. I have a couple more questions here. You have a podcast yourself. We do. Tell us about your podcast. Yeah. Uh, it sounds a little bit like this, only not so good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a co-host, Scott Moore, and I. We just get together, and sometimes we have a well-thought-through show. Sometimes we just sit down. It sounds like we're at a table of McDonald's, and we're just talking about dad stuff, You know, things that we might have seen in the news. Uh, we talk about what's going on, but we always seem to run back to what really matters. Um, because we're just flawed dads, just like everybody else. And uh, we just, you know, we don't have any lofty truths. Um, but but we know this t- time is short. You know, I once heard Chuck Swindoll say, I don't know if he made it up or he, co- or he got it from someone else. He said, you know, life's like a quarter. You can spend it on anything you like, but you can only spend it once. And, and that wow. really impacted me. I mean, I, he said it a long, long time ago. And I just, I just. You know, I used to, when I was young, I, I can remember writing things and thinking things and thinking, man, my kids are going to be grown up before I know it. And it's going to get here so fast. And I just want to enjoy these days. Well, hey, I'm here. My kids are already, my kids are grown up. I've got grandchildren. We're doing things, you know, and so I'm not doing lightning bug catches anymore. So, I, you know, I, I just want to. I don't know. I, I, so that's what we talk about. You know, we have those. Uh, that's what our podcast is. And we send out a weekly email to lots of dads. We'd love you to sign up. You can visit us at our website, you know, familymanweb.com. Or if your wife's a homeschooler, we also have another site called the smilinghomeschooler.com. You can come and visit us there. And we got lots of resources for her to help her, your children, and you smile. This is good stuff. So I want you to end with your most important piece of advice to dads. Okay, here it is. Um, And it's not very profound. But a dad once asked me, he said, so what makes a good dad, Todd? And honestly, I don't like flipping answers. I don't like little trite things, you know, and say, well, you know what a good dad does is he has a chore chart. And, you know, and he does, he's family worship and all. And I, so I didn't give an answer. And I thought about it. I chewed on it for like a couple months. And so I finally came up with an answer and that I'm sticking with. Here's what I think makes a good dad. One that just keeps trying. He never gives up. He asks forgiveness, but he never stops. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for every dad listening right now. That is really really powerful and i really appreciate that and so guys listen up what are you going to do let's get some boots on the ground Uh, i personally have unpacked a lot of things here and i'm processing four major uh things from this podcast but guys here's what i want you to do as your action item from this day forth when your kids come to you whether they're in your home or whether they're adults i want you to focus on this phrase just say sure And then let us know how it's going. We want to hear your hero stories. We want to hear how God is changing you and and, uh, just growing you as a parent. And, man, we're excited to hear from you. So, hey, Todd, thanks so much for coming on our show. What a a great episode. I am really pumped today, man. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun, Jim and Dale. Sure appreciate it. Hey, Dale, so uh, what's next, brother? Take us home. 
Yeah, guys, we want you to go on over to meninthearena.org, get your free copy of Guts and Manhood, and this is available for maybe a week or two left, and after that, you can just go into our store and you can order it. So uh, we just thank you for doing that. We think you're really going to get a lot out of that. But until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.